Miss Me? Beyond the Plate is back with season two. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. Season two, we recorded live from the 17th annual Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival in Miami, Florida at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel. This festival is a benefit for the Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management at Florida International University, a place near and dear to my heart. Here's what this festival means to me. It was actually my first full-time job when I graduated from school. Yes, I am an alumni of FIU. I've been to 15 of the 17 festivals, so I've seen this from different points of view. My first year, I was a student volunteer at FIU, and then I was hired full-time by Lee Schrager, the founder and festival director, who you'll hear more about in this episode. And then I met Rachel Ray, amongst many other incredible chefs, wound up moving from Miami to New York, in which I went back to the festival as a consultant for a year, And then I started coming back with Rachel Ray. And then this year I recorded the podcast down there. So I've seen this festival from one, two, three, four, five different points of view or so. But before we talk about season two, I want to take a minute to thank you all for season one. I want to do a little flashback here because we've had some amazing guests from Rachel Ray to Andrew Zimmern to Rich Melman, the incredible restaurateur here in Chicago, to Scott Conant and Eric Repair and Alice Waters and I could go on and on. But we also did some live podcasts at Soho House here in Chicago. One as a bonus episode with Chef Tony Montuano and another one with Gail Simmons. Beyond the Plate was named one of Radio Public's standout food shows of 2017. Thank you very much. But who can forget when we kicked off the season with none other than Rachel Ray, one of the hardest working women in the business. I think if you're happy and proud of where you come from, you are fearless in where you're going because the worst thing that can happen is you go back to who you were. Or when Andrew Zimmern shared which place in his travels has influenced his life the most. Botswana. I just changed the most there in some really big ways. Since that time when I came home, I have been, I'm the greenest son of a bitch. I am greener than the jolly green giant. Or Chef Michael Solomonoff from Philadelphia talking about hospitality. You know, you can't walk down the block in our city without seeing somebody that like needs help. And we preach hospitality on every single level. So Steve and a couple of people from Broad Street came up with the idea of opening this restaurant that was reliant on the backs of this chicken that is food waste, right? Or it doesn't get much better than sitting with Chef Eric Repair in the office at his restaurant in New York City. And when I asked him what three words his line cooks would say about him... That's a good question. We should bring one now and put him on the spot and say, say three words about Chef Repair. <laughs> Ashley, can you send me uh, a line cook that worked with us for at least a year or two? Someone at the level of Saucier. And I can't forget the time I sat with Chef Massimo Batora, who once had the number one restaurant in the world. He looked at me in the eyes and said, You know, you have a face that reminds me of burger. Come on! Lara. Come on! L- <laughs> or the incredible Alice Waters talking to me about what it's like being called a pioneer. I don't really feel like a pioneer because I feel like these ideas have really been around since the beginning of civilization. The idea of taking care of the land, uh, the idea of eating together, the idea of celebrating the harvest. And there was no better way to close out season one than with the incredible Chef Jose Andres. I don't do it sometimes to fulfill 
other people's dreams, but to fulfill my own dreams. And if you do things to fulfill your dreams and you do it with heart and love, eventually it happens that you also fulfill other people's dreams. On season two, we sat with more of the industry's best. Here's a little teaser of what we have in store. We sat with Trisha Yearwood in her hotel room at the Lowe's Hotel. She shared what she's craving when she's not eating Southern food. Mexican food. <laughs> I like a lot. Of, I like every, I like all food really. But I mean, I love Italian food. I love Mexican food. I like spicy. So I'll tend to kind of gravitate toward that. And Guy Fieri, we toasted with champagne. Cheers. I drank my champagne, he didn't. And we went live with Giada De Laurentiis while thousands of people around the world watched on Facebook Live. I may have gotten a little nervous, but all was well in the end. You're a great interviewer, very calm and collected and like you move it on to the next very, very seamlessly. And by the way, to the person who commented on Facebook Live that Mr. Apple computer needs a tan, thanks, you made my wife stay. Anyhow, you're in for a treat this season. And I want to give a couple words to our partners slash sponsors for this season two of Beyond the Plate. So there's a few names you'll be hearing throughout this season. One, to our presenting sponsor, Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Thank you for your commitment. I'm a true fan of your product as it makes any burger better. Two, to Sir Kensington's Condiments. Again, I'm a true fan of your product and I can't wait to share more of what and how I use. And to the National Mango Board, thank you. My wife is a huge mango fan and sends me on runs to the grocery store often to pick up mangoes for her. And to Isolate by Flavor Gallery, thank you for supplying our guests with hats and t-shirts. And to all of our sponsors, I look forward to sharing more with our listeners about your products and how you all give back to your community. Some general housekeeping to go through. You can expect a similar format to season one with Beyond the Plate. We'll be launching our episodes every Wednesday morning. We'll stay true to our shorter recipe read segments that we like to call Just the Plate, doing those every other week. And we will be doing some bonus episodes when there happens to be a fifth Wednesday in the month. Why listen and subscribe to Beyond the Plate? I truly believe that we are providing a platform for chefs to share an insightful story of how they got into the industry and how they give back to the community. They all give in such a huge way. And I hear these stories day in and day out, and I think they need to be told. A lot of these chefs are known for what they put on a plate and people come in and out of their restaurants. But beyond that, there's so much more they do for the community. And I'm excited for you all to hear how each of the people we've interviewed gives back to their community. We've also received a lot of praise from people in and out of the industry. I've received multiple messages from people who said they got teary-eyed taking the subway in New York City listening to the Michael Solomonoff episode. If you haven't checked that one out, I highly encourage you to do so. I've heard from people who work directly in the food industry and from people who work outside of the food industry. I've heard from culinary students that are inspired by messages that these chefs are giving. And I've also heard from business owners that have nothing to do with food. One of them owns a boutique in Atlanta and she wrote saying she literally sat in her car on her way to work, Finishing an episode and it inspired her to give back more to her community. And I think that's what it's about. So thank you all for listening. And if you could tell one person to listen to this episode who will enjoy it, please do us a favor and do that. Before we get going, I need to give a big thank you to those who helped me because without them, there's zero chance I would be able to do this incredible project. 
A big thank you to Ian Cohen. A big thank you to Joel Yeaton. A big thank you to Sean Petrosian. And a big thank you to Mike Krentzman from Red Summit Productions, who came down to Miami to video our Facebook Lives that we did. So without further ado, while we're excited for our big opener, when we start going beyond the plate with some of the biggest and the best in the food industry, there's one guy all of you may not know, but all of the festival guests definitely know. It's Lee Brian Traeger. We went live with Lee on Facebook, so check out the Beyond the Plate Facebook page to see that full interview. Lee's going to set the stage for us because after all, if it weren't for him, there's no South Beach Wine and Food Festival. He's the Senior Vice President of Communications and Corporate Social Responsibility at Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. I have a personal connection to Lee. He hired me out of college. It was my first full-time job. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for Lee. He created both the Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach and New York City Wine and Food Festivals, which together have raised more than $37 million for charity. He's the author of three cookbooks, and his philanthropic endeavors span very far and very wide. So please enjoy this conversation with Lee Schrager. And starting March 7th, we go beyond the plate for season two with Giada De Laurentiis. We're here live at the Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel. And we're going to get right into it. Lee, Andrew, Cappy, as we used to call you. Do they still call you that? <laughs> they do. Oh. So this is your baby. Yeah, well, you were my baby. I, yes, I was baby. Yes, you were one of my babies. <laughs> so it's it really, really, I'm proud to see Thank you know, you. what you've done. Thank you. I want to rattle some of this stuff off because it's extremely impressive. It's a 17th festival. It's raised more than $26 million for the Chaplin School of Hospitality Management at Florida International University. You have more than 90 events here this week, more than 350 chefs, winemakers, spirits producers, celebrities, and culinary personalities. Wow. Yeah. Never seems like a lot until you hear it like that. Right. I, don't, I never look at it like that because if you did, it'd be really overwhelming. So I take day by day. So, you know, this morning I got up and I looked at my day today. I don't look at Saturday or Sunday because if you do, you would, you could never stay focused. I only look at a day at a time. Really the truth. You also function on minimal sleep because I know I was leaving an event after midnight last night and you were still sitting down at a table having conversations. Very unusual for me. I mean, I, <laughs> the festival is one of the few times of the year, the New York and South Beach festivals, when I am up past or out past 11 or 12 o'clock. Yeah. So for me to roll in here at like 1.30, hungry, I was hungry last night. I ate very little. Uh, but 1.30 for me is like, you know, 1.30 because I get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock. So yeah. uh, it was a long night. Yeah, I'm sure. So I, this, is, this is random, but I'm switching gears here really quick. I laugh when people who are like in their 20s tell me that um, it's too late to change careers. And people are maybe wondering like, where are you going with this? And I say this because you kind of uh, created what you're doing for yourself when you were around 40 years old. And you were working in a hotel and you wrote a letter to the owners of what was Southern Wine at the time, now Southern Glazers, basically writing your job description. I heard the story when you spoke at FIU and I was a student. I, as you said, I mean, I've really only had two jobs in my career. Uh, I spent 20 years with Intercontinental Hotel and then I've been at Southern Glazers almost 20 years. That's 40 years. I don't, you know, I, I'm expecting that probably uh, will not be a, uh, a third uh, trilogy yeah. for me. I am, I'm expecting this will probably be it. But you're, you're right. I, when I turned 40, I um, wrote because when I turned 40, there were no emails. We didn't have cell. I don't think we had cell phones. I, I, I hate to say that. I really <laughs> sound so archaic, but I don't, th I don't know that we had cell phones 18 years ago. But I remember 
sending a handwritten letter to Wayne Chaplin, who is the CEO of Southern, now Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. And I had known him for years and I knew his family and I wrote him a letter and I, I you know, I'd done a work for him and events for him over the years. And I said, hey, you know, I, I think that <clears throat> there's something I could do for you. I wrote him this letter, really forgot about it. And like weeks later, he called me and said, let's have breakfast. And we spoke and, he said, well, tell me what you think you can do. And I like, well, you know, I gave him some ideas. And he said, okay, great, I'll be in touch. Weeks went by, I forgot about it. And I got a phone call from somebody at the company and they said, let's have lunch. And I had lunch. And at the end of lunch, he said, well, when are you starting? I'm like, starting what? He goes, well, Wayne said you're starting. I'm like, I have no job. He goes, you have a job, Wayne thinks you're starting, so you better get over here. Uh, and that was the beginning of it. And I really went to a company that had never had anyone doing special events, no, it had no one doing marketing, had no one doing PR. I mean, it was a large, privately held company. I mean, but when I joined Southern in 2000, they were in six states, you know, they did $6 billion, and, you know, 20 years later, we're in 44 states, the Caribbean, Mexico, uh, you know, a privately held company doing significantly more than $6 billion today. And, um, you know, I, it was exciting, although the company was 30 years old when I joined, or about 26 years old, I really got to be part of that big growth period. I'm not responsible for it, but I was part of it. And I really helped develop an image and a profile for the company that was incredibly philanthropic to begin with and really helped direct them and guide them on, you know, great corporate social responsibility and giving back. Things they always had done, they just didn't know what to do with it and how to take it to the next level. So every city has a festival these days, and I remember working with you back in the early to mid-2000s. I feel like we used to get a call every single week from so-and-so in anywheresville, USA, because people thought it was such a, you know, oh, we could do one of these in our, in our city. What makes Sobe so special? You're right. I mean, when we started, there was Aspen. There was a chili festival in Santa Fe. Uh, I don't think there was anything no. else. Um, I, I really don't. And now today, every city, you name it, every county, every, has multiple. every borough has a, a festival. And it, it's great. You know, as I said, not everyone's into fashion. Not everyone's into arts. Everyone's into food. And it's great to see. Um, I think why we've been so successful in both South Beach and New York City is two things. Location, I mean, this is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world at the middle of winter in most places in the country. So I think location had a lot to do with our success in both cities. You know, New York, we're in uh, the middle of October when in, you know, an Indian summer in New York City. So we build our festivals around the beautiful Atlantic Ocean or on top of Pier 92 with a backdrop of, you know, the most beautiful backdrop in New York City, all those um, beautiful buildings. But I think, what makes us really different besides for location is the programming. That we have that Food Network cooking channel, pop culture, personality, that Guy Fieri, the Rachel, the Jada, Bobby Flay, Tyler Florence, Emerald. And then we have Alain Ducasse and Jean Georges and Massimo Baturo and Ferran Adria and Joel Robichon and Rene Redzepi. So there are very few festivals where at one point a Giada can be on a stage and a next stage over could be a, a Lendukas or things like that. So I think it's really the programming and the mixture of programming that we do. How do you make sure that stays fresh? I mean, I guess the food industry in general is ever evolving. 
on a daily basis? Well, it is. I mean, but, you know, consumers still want the, you know, the Rachel Ray Burger fashion, the Italians, you know, uh, whenever I think about changing something, I'm reminded that we sell, you know, thousands of tickets. Yeah. So I think what's important to me is to keep it fresh by changing, you know, Rachel's taking a break this year, but she'll come back and she'll have missed it. She'll have fresh ideas for next year. And Guy brought a new energy to it this year. Guy brings a new energy to everything. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can walk into this room and he brings a different, a new and different energy. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's important for me to keep it fresh for me to stay motivated. You know, I never want to come in here and not love what I do. Right. And, you know, I, I think every day it's not a matter of just loving what you do, it's doing what you love. And that's really important for me. You know, I'm remembering, you know, remembering how you got there. I yeah. think for me, I have to remember how I got there. And I truly believe that from you too, because I'll run into you last night. We ran into each other at the Italian event and you're like, great event, isn't it? Did you try this? How about that, Shep? And it's like, you don't make that stuff up. Like, you're really enjoying what has I been have to. crafted. I mean, listen, I, I, I go to a, as many events as I can. You know, not as many as I used to because you just can't move around the city the same way. But uh, Well, we always joked about getting you like a helicopter to take you from a Or, or a magic back. carpet or yeah. a pogo stick or something <laughs> like that or a moped. I get to go to less Vespa. and less events. Vespa sponsor. I, 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 wish, I wish Vespa it's would sponsor. Pretty, but, you know, we, you know, we had Emerald doing a clam bake in Fort Lauderdale last night. We had a dinner on Brickell Avenue that, you know, I just can't leave the beach. You can't go four blocks yeah. in traffic here. So yeah. I need to stay where I can see a mass amount of chefs like at the tent. Right. I could see 40 chefs rather than driving an hour to go to a Shabbat dinner or a kosher dinner up yeah. in Bal Harbor, where it would take me an hour and a half each way and I see three great chefs. So yeah. I gotta that think about looked, where I could, yeah, that was amazing. That dinner, dinner looked incredible. Oh my God, the menu was killer. I know firsthand you get pitched, it's gotta be hundreds, at least hundreds of chefs every year for your festivals. Has there ever been a chef that you had turned down that you regret turning down? No, I mean, I, I mean, Bethany Frankel, you know, years ago, Bethany Frankel used to email me, Bethany, I remember, she used to have an email called Bethany Bakes at AOL, and she <laughs> used to always email me and say, or, or come, and she used to deliver food to my house, and she was delivering healthy food, I guess, at the time, and she always said, oh, I want to be part of the festival, I'm like, really? And I never paid her the time of day, and of course, then she went on to have Skinny Girl, and she still did the festival, she was very good. For me, it's not a matter of liking or not liking somebody, or... There are plenty. I don't eat sushi. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a sushi event. You know, I'm not a big taco fan, but taco is one of our great events. So I don't, you know, you can tell what I love. If you look at the early festivals, the yeah. Burger Bash, the Bubble Bar King, yeah. the fried chicken event, breakfast events. I mean, I love, you know, I, that's my type of food. But again, we're not catering to me. I'm not buying tickets. I, I got to sell 60,000 tickets. And, you know, 60, I, I 60,000 tickets. tickets. We ticket 60,000 people. So for me, I got to think of things that every, you know, do I want a vegan dinner? No, I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do less than go to a vegan dinner. <laughs> but guess what? We Tell had me how you really yeah, feel. Yeah, but we, you know, we had a vegan dinner last night that sold out. We I'm have sure. a Jean-Georges vegetable lunch. We're having a Syrian women dinner tomorrow night with Alon Shai and Ingrid Hoffman in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, I wish I can go up to that. I love this whole group of Syrian women yeah. who are cooking. Huh. Uh, it, it's so amazing. That's probably going to be delicious. It's, uh, the food, I, I, the menu looked so amazing. I usually kind of close with this, but I, I almost want to get into it now. A lot, a big part of this podcast, Beyond the Plate, is social impact and community work with chefs because, as you know, they're all so unique in how they give back to the community. But with you, it's festivals and it's different beneficiaries for South Beach for New York, not to mention boards you serve on in the LGBTQ community. Can you share a little bit about your... I mean, just open the platform here for people... I don't think people realize what this festival does. Well, what the festival does is 
we eat, we drink, and we educate. In this sense, raising money for education. So I, you know, I grew up really simply. You know, I grew up in a really lower class, middle class family on Long Island, very humbly. I, we worked hard, no one gave us anything. And, um, you know, but we did give back and that was important. Even going to Hebrew school, we worked after hours selling matzah at Passover, you know, at early ages doing things like that. Yeah. And it was kind of always, you know, my parents really inbred upon us the, the benefits of giving back. You created this model for the festival though, with South Beach and giving back to FIU and with New York and giving back to Share Strength and Food Bank, which to this day, I, you know, people say, how much money does it make? And I was like, oh, they raised $26 million and all goes back towards the school. And everyone's like, wait, what? No, and you, and you know, the saddest part about that, it's so often you, I'll meet a chef, you know, there are chefs who I'm friendly with who said, you know, I'm not coming down there. You know, it's just, you're getting rich off it in the, and the Southern, I'm like, Believe me, I'm not getting rich yeah. off this. And believe me, Southern Glazes doesn't need right. whatever money we're making, you know. Um, but it is successful. It, it, it's successful, but it, it's not successful. It didn't happen on its own. I mean, this success, you were part of it. You saw it. I mean, we, we built this from nothing. Yeah. You know, we had a dream and uh, we believed in it and we had people who cared about it. And that's how it got to where it is. You yeah. know, no one gave us anything. Yeah. You know, we didn't have a title sponsor. We didn't have a presenting sponsor. I didn't know. Any chefs? I mean, I didn't know. I didn't have access to the people that I have access today. And yeah. I knocked on doors and I believed in it and I lived it. And uh, sooner or later, people caught on and believed that what we were doing. Plenty of AOL accounts we reached out to. Absolutely. <laughs> Before, in the early days when we didn't have social media, you know, you, you couldn't get that Martin Yan phone number. You had to, yeah. to work for three days to find out who represented Martin Yan. Now everything's so available, you know, yeah. so easy. You know, the festivals were created in the sense of giving back. Yeah. Southern Glazes is all about giving back in the communities that we we do business in and uh, you know that's why these festivals are created to give back education here and hunger in New York yeah well so what advice would you give about community engagement to like there's hundreds of FIU student volunteers here well you know you know what you were an FIU student you were an intern you were the, one of my early interns and I, I think I find it very frustrating to go to that school or you know to speak to people who don't get engaged in this festival I went to FIU, I didn't graduate, you know, I, I have no college degree, I, I, uh, I, but if I went to FIU and there was something like a festival where I had access to meet these people, access to cook along and do the mise en place for a Michael White or for a uh, April Bloomfield, I mean, I, I, would have, I would have paid to do that. And then you have students today who just don't want to participate and they're too busy or they don't want to give up a weekend. I'm like, you're crazy. Yeah, that changed my whole education. Well, I, that it, it changed my, a lot of, you know, you can get anything out of this festival. I mean, when I look at you, what you did and what the business that you built and then go working for Rachel and Yummo and being part of Rachel's success from the get-go and now what you're doing, that's what this is all about. So I travel all over the world and I'm always amazed when I travel and I'll go to a hotel and I'll check in. They say, oh, Mr. Schrager, you know, we were at FIU. Oh. For the students who put something in, you get something out. No one's going to, you know, as it goes back to what my dad always says, you're not going to, if you don't give, you don't get. And if the students don't give, they're not going to get, and they shouldn't get. I mean, there's no free ride. You eat well, you travel well. What's the one restaurant that you've been dying to go to you haven't been to? You've been to all of them. My days of rushing to a restaurant, you know, it used to be when we travel that I, I used to have 10 reservations. If we were going to Italy or wherever it was, I had breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I had, well, you know, you remember I used to have interns map out, you know, where I should eat or look at the sites. I mean, I travel now and I don't make any reservations. <laughs> I mean, I am happy to miss a meal, 
happy to stay home or I'm happy to yeah. go out and have street food. I mean, I love, you know, I, I can eat street food in India or in Thailand That's or in best. Israel. I mean, to me, there's nothing better. You want to learn about the food in the city? Eat street food. You want to learn about the food in a small town? Ask the driver. You want to learn about where to get the best fried chicken? Ask the mail person. Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, I still do it today. I never go to a city where I don't ask an Uber driver or Lyft driver who has the best breakfast. And yeah. I always go. Yeah. So you, you, but you always have your finger on the pulse uh, in the industry. Are there any chefs? Like that you have your eye on that you that you would like to have down, whether just for the festival or no, just in I, general. Yeah, I guess you know you know I guess the question is: Is there anybody who I've wanted at the festival who I haven't had? No, honestly, I mean, there's nobody. If you look at Rene Redzepi, he's been down here. If you look at Daniel Hume from um, 11 Madison Park, he's done the festival. You look at Ferran Adria, we honored him at this festival. You look at Massimo Baturo, he was down here last year and he'll be at New York this fall. We, you look at Yotam Adelenge, I mean, yeah. we've had him. I mean, yeah. if I can connect with them, I can normally get them. Yeah. If their schedule works, we can get it. For sure. You've seen chefs go from, like, I mean, since we started the festival over 15 years, you've seen chefs go from zero to 60. Well, Real more quick, importantly, I've say. seen chefs go from 60 to zero. And that I think, too. I think that's more relevant today. but. Do you think TV's changed that? Or how, I mean, you have sure, Food Network course, here. Of course, I mean, if you look at, you know, if you, TV, Food Network made this food. I don't care what anyone says, and I'm not saying it because they're a presenting sponsor of our festivals, but Food Network, we rode the wave of success of the Food Network. I mean, I look, you know, I watched that Food Network when they were open, when they first started, and I watched every show. I remember the first time that I saw Paula Dean. I remember the first time when I saw Rachel on TV and those Tyler Florence in the early days and Michael Chiarello. I mean, those are, you know, and I, you know, I made a point. I, you know, we wouldn't have Celebrity Chef today without the Food Network. They gave these chefs or personalities, a lot of them weren't even chefs, they gave them the platform. You know, if you look at when, you know, my growing up, it was Wolfgang Puck, you know, and he never got TV because people couldn't understand them on TV, I mean, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But he's an amazing talent and still today, Wolfgang's one of those chefs who wants to be in a kitchen still. Yeah. Very unique. Wait, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? What would I be doing? I'd probably be a waiter. Yeah? Yep. You still love the buzz of like the industry. I love my best job I ever had was being a waiter at TGI Fridays. I love really? it. Really? Yeah, my best job. Long Island? No, the first one here in Fort Lauderdale. The first one outside of New York City on Commercial Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale. I was in school. I was going to FIU in the mornings, and I worked at F and I worked at TGI Fridays in the evening. And this is 40, 40 years ago. 38 years ago. When was the last time you were at a Friday's for some at Jack Daniels airport. chicken strips? No, I, I, no, I, <laughs> not was, that I've been But you there, know, I when know. I worked at Friday's, the potato skins, yeah. we came in, we baked the potatoes. We, when I was in the kitchen first, we scooped it, they yeah. were fresh. <clears throat> now you go and everything's frozen. You know, the mushroom, chicken, mushroom, MCM. Right. We used to, those were fresh. Now it's all frozen. I loved, I mean, Friday's was great food. So I would be a waiter. Yeah. You know what? I loved going in. I loved taking an order and not having to write it down. I mean, I, I could take an order. Well, 40 years ago, I could go to a table of 12 people and not really? write, no, didn't write anything down. That's I couldn't impressive. write down, I couldn't remember one thing today, but I love coming in, filling up my salt and peppers, cleaning up the dressing area, and then I love the buzz of a busy restaurant, and I love at the end of the night going out and spending all the money we made and getting drunk and going home and starting <laughs> and the next, it again day. next day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with no responsibility, so right. I think I'll end my career being a waiter. So you grew up on Long Island. Describe young Lee Schrager to us. Well, I... I as I've met, you know, we were not privileged. We, uh, uh, I had a paper out. I, I delivered papers every morning, the Daily News. Growing up, so before school, I delivered papers 
After school, I delivered Newsdays, and on weekends, I worked at a Chinese restaurant doing um, packing up Chinese food. You know, when I was 12 and 13 years old, my dad in the winter used to drive me on my paper route to deliver the papers, and you know, we grew up with the work ethic that, you know, we, no, my parents couldn't give it to us, and they, if we wanted it, we worked for it. I remember we used to, the Baldwin brothers lived in the next block, Alec Baldwin and his brothers, and um, I used to deliver papers for him. He lived in this really kind of rundown house. They, they never paid. They never, <laughs> you know, like every week on Friday, you'd go to collect. It was probably 40 cents. Yeah. That's really what it was in 40, 50, I don't know how many years ago. That's so funny. And you go in, like, then every three months, They'd give you like a $5 bill for all the money they made you. And every time I see, I now see Alec Baldwin a lot, I always remind him that they owe me my, they, they owe me my last paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. When was, did you cook growing up? Um, I did cook. My mom was a good cook and I was around good. When my parents used to go on vacation one week a year growing up, we used to have um, a friend, my parents' friend, used to come and babysit for us and watch us. So one week a year, my parents went away and a lady named Mrs. Catanzaro, we used to call her Mrs. C. Yeah. And she was a great Italian cook, and it was the first time I ever smelled fresh bread and yeast. Oh. And she really taught me how to make gnocchi and how to bake bread and how to make pizza. So my mom is a good cook, my Mrs. Cat. So I really, we grew up with a love of really good food, simple food, I mean, which is why today I still eat very simple, but I, uh, my mom is a, a really good basic cook. Do you still cook? I do. I cook in the summer when we're out in Long Island yeah. because it, you can get it and it's fresh and uh, good. Uh, I, you know, it's hard. I, uh, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning. By the time I get home at 6, you're tired and it's easy to go out. And, you know, for me, I don't eat out because I'm hungry. I eat out because it's a way of life and I get to see people and try new things. Yeah. Let's do a fun speed round. What did you have for dinner last night? Nothing. It was at the, we were at the Italian event and I never eat it. I very seldom eat at our events, but I came home at 1 o'clock in the morning and ate a Kit Kat bar. <laughs> Favorite place to sit on a day off? In our home in Coral Gables, we have a garden room where I love to sit and kind of uh, look at the yard and uh, I can watch the dogs playing outside. What's your next vacation destination? We are going to London and Madrid in April and we're going to go to California a week after this festival. Nice. Last time you ate fast food? Oh God, today. <laughs> yeah, I had a fried chicken sandwich. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm a wrong person. Where? Uh, Yardbird, they delivered the food in the hospitality suite. Not fried food, I mean, not fast food, but yeah, I, eat fried, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I love fried chicken, so it's hard for me to pass about jangles that I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can't pass about jangles. And I was really upset when KFC ran out of chicken in London last what week. What is that? I don't know, but I was like, really? I would have been really annoyed if they had Seriously. no chicken and just go to those, you know, Parker House rolls, right? <laughs> what actor would you want to play Lee Schrager in a movie? Well, I never thought about that. Uh... I don't know. I think probably uh, Hugh Jackman. Nice. All right, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. It's great to be on your show, Andrew, and I can't tell you how proud I am to see what, what's become of you. I appreciate it. I didn't have it. great faith that you were going to go you, far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've taught me a lot. Um, honesty, persistence, authenticity, always make sure there's a goal and objective in mind. And I, I use it all often, so um, thank you very much. It is my pleasure. What's next for Lee Brian Schrager Enterprises? Uh, Lee Brian Schrager, and uh, today or in general? Both. Wow, I don't know. Next, I don't know. I uh, I want to uh, I want to enjoy life. Yeah. yeah, today, enjoy life. I want to. I'd like to enjoy <laughs> life today. <laughs> I don't think I'll enjoy it as much today as I will after the festival, but. Uh, 
you know, as I said, I, you take one day at a time and, uh, you know, you got to love what you do and do what you love. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And since I love a good quote from Lee Schrager's parents, a quote from his dad, if you don't give, you don't get. It doesn't get more simple than that. Thanks again to Lee Schrager. Find more on the South Beach Wine and Food Festival at sobwff.org. Join us for our season two opener with Giada De Laurentiis. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at OnCappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Plate Podcast and Facebook. Season two of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, Sean Petrosian. Big thank yous all around. Our music has been composed by Goldford. As always, a big special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.